I grew up in Montgomery, Alabama, and the earliest school memories I have celebrated the Montgomery bus boycott, the March from Selma, and the Civil Rights Movement in a very personal and immediate way. We drove past those sites, the ones where historic events took place on a daily basis. It was an ever-present part of my childhood, and both the legacy of the changes in our social fabric that were wrought by the civil rights leaders, um, and also the vestiges of that racial tension. In all those years, living at the heart of the struggle for civil rights, I never knew that Rosa Parks was a seamstress. I'm not sure I had, to be honest, any coherent thought about what she did outside of her famous protest on the bus that day. Welcome to Whipstitch, the podcast for thinking about sewing. I'm your host, Deborah Mobies. One of my favorite series on the Whipstitch blog is our Great Women in Sewing series, where I profile a different woman in the world of sewing who has contributed indelibly to how we sew, what we sew, why we sew, or where I profile one who has done great things in the world for whom sewing was a part of her everyday life. Today, I'm sharing the story of Rosa Parks, civil rights activist and leader and professional seamstress. Thanks for listening. Rosa Parks worked at a Montgomery department store as an in-house seamstress, tailoring and fitting garments for the city's white residents. Her hours were long. The work could be humbling. Um, She was educated and highly literate, taught to read and write at an early age by her mother. She did well academically despite a school career that included elementary grades in a one-room schoolhouse in Pine Level, Alabama, um, and secondary grades at a segregated school for girls in Montgomery. Very early on, Rosa Parks lacked essential supplies like books or desks, Um, but she did well in her classes. Eventually, she attended a laboratory school, which is similar instruction to what we would call a charter program today, Um, a laboratory school for secondary education led by the Alabama State Teachers College. She was forced to leave the program her junior year and take care of her ill grandmother and never went back. Instead, she accepted a job as a seamstress in a shirt factory, and sewing became her daily life. Eventually, she earned her high school diploma with the support of her husband um, at the age of 20. But until then, she sewed all day, every day. Now, my school experience taught me that Rosa Parks made the decision on that day in December 1955 to stay in her seat on the bus in Montgomery, refusing to give it up to a white passenger on the spur of the moment. That's sort of the the cultural tale that most of us have been given. It's this dramatic moment. It makes for great movies. It makes for great images, mental and uh, video. Recently, and by recently I mean sort of the last 10 years or so, uh, there are a lot of articles, a number of articles that have come out indicating that this is not the case. Um, A visit our family took a couple of years ago to the Center for Civil and Human Rights since it opened here in Atlanta, provides a different view of the events that took place that winter day in 1955. Um, I am fortunate that I live in Atlanta, Georgia, where the Center for Civil and Human Rights exists, here kind of at the heart of the civil rights demonstrations that took place in the 50s and 60s. If you are not local, 
then I cannot even, well, if you are local, I can't encourage you enough to make the journey to the Center for Civil and Human Rights. It is absolutely in the top five museums I have ever visited in the world in terms of museum craft, the way that they present information. It is an absolutely and undeniably emotional experience that is exceedingly well told um, and gives a much better context for a lot of the events the, the legal, the social, the cultural events surrounding the civil rights movement. Um, one of the things that I learned while I was in that museum that I hadn't been told previously was that Rosa Parks was a member of the NAACP and joined that organization, the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People, as early as 1943. And she worked with the organization toward equal rights for black Americans throughout World War II, she served as a youth leader and later as secretary to the NAACP president until 1957. Um, that meant that she knew. She knew all these leaders. She was familiar with the movement. She understood the philosophy. She understood the, um, the goals of the movement. Um, and as a result of her respected place in Montgomery's civil rights community, According to the displays at the Center for Civil and Human Rights, Rosa Parks knew the local NAACP was in search of an individual who would first make a stand against the city of Montgomery's bus laws. The laws permitted bus drivers to assign seats as they chose, a practice that had been interpreted by most of the bus drivers to mean they could require a black passenger to surrender their seat to a white passenger when other seats were full regardless of whether those seats were in the colored section of the bus. I think most of us are familiar with the idea that segregation extended beyond uh, physical space, um, which is to say like a restaurant or a lunch counter or a store or a water fountain. It extended into space in motion, which is to say public transportation in the South, and that the seats at the rear of the bus, which generally were considered less desirable, were set aside for passengers of color. Um, Another woman, Claudette Coleman, had refused to give up her seat in March of 1955 in protest of this policy of segregating these buses. But when the issue became a legal matter following Claudette Colvin's arrest for disturbing the peace, violating the segregation law, resisting arrest, um, Colvin reports that her mother told her to, quote, let Rosa be the one. White people aren't going to bother Rosa. They like her, end quote. So the story that I'd been given, which was that Rosa had just had enough, um, and that day she said, all done, no more, was not specifically accurate. Um, in fact, there's a quote from Rosa Parks herself where she says, quote, I had given up my seat before, but this day I was especially tired, tired from my work as a seamstress and tired from the ache in my heart, end quote. Um, so Claudette Colvin doesn't get a lot of credit for having done something similar previously. I do think it's super insightful, however, that even Claudette Colvin's mother indicated that in order for this movement to push forward, that the individual who took the risk and ultimately took the fall because Rosa was arrested for what she did, um, had to be someone who would be acceptable in some way to the powers that be. 
I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg really understood that in separate issues, of course, and really appreciated that it was incremental movement that helped the civil rights movement itself ultimately make strides in the United States. It wasn't big, flashy subjects of movies. It was small steps, um, and each one built on the one before. As a hardworking seamstress, Rosa Park must have been, and, and some of this is me filling in the blanks, but Rosa Parks must have been privy to intimate moments with the white community in Montgomery. Obviously, I have to go off book here. There isn't a lot of information on this part of the story. But imagine what you have experienced if you've taken a dress in for alterations or shopped with friends. The sales staff and the alterations lady are there, pinning away or organizing your shopping, but are largely invisible to you and your girlfriends or you and your mom. If you've ever gone wedding dress shopping or prom dress shopping, um, if you've ever been um, a bridesmaid, your conversation continues in the presence of these service providers who take care of their work but stay out of the conversation. Which made me wonder, how much must Rosa Parks have seen in her role as a seamstress? And how familiar must she have felt to the white customers at the department store, the ones who saw her again and again and trusted her skill with the needle to have them looking their best? When Claudette Colvin's mother says that the white citizens of Montgomery liked Rosa Parks, I believe it was likely because they knew her personally through her work as a seamstress. They also knew her as a peaceful activist with the NAACP, but most of us who so recognize that there is a level of intimacy bordering on camaraderie that comes from building a garment for another person. Rosa Parks didn't sit on the bus, launch the Montgomery bus boycott, which if you aren't familiar, lasted many months. It was not a one and done deal. It finally forced the city to change the bus segregation laws in December of 1956, so a full year later. Rosa Parks didn't do that and galvanize civil rights activists because her feet were tired after a long day. While she did not take her seat with the plan of refusing to give it up, when she made the decision not to move, she did that with foresight, with intent, with thoughtfulness. She did that after hours of labor at her sewing machine. And she did it with full knowledge that she might lose her job as a seamstress at that department store, which in fact she did following her arrest. Not to mention receiving months of threatening phone calls and harassment. My point is, her actions weren't accidental. They were a response to years of being witness to injustice, and they changed our entire nation's attitude toward our black citizens. Um, Rosa Parks said herself, quote, I had no idea that history was being made. I was just tired of giving up. I would like to be remembered as a person who wanted to be free so other people could be free. End quote. Another more famous quote from Rosa Parks is, the only tired I was was tired of giving in. So when I think about great women in sewing, I want to remember that when we sew, we are connected in myriad ways to the communities around us. We are connected to the people we love, who live in our homes with us, as we sew to offer them gifts and memories from under our needle. We are connected to our history, distant and near, to those who've used their own needle and thread to make something from nothing, because they are creating culture and family and connection. 
and we're connected to others whose lives we may never intersect and on whom we could have an enormous impact if only we are willing to take a step. There is an element of the knowledge that Rosa Parks earned her living as a seamstress that makes me feel a kinship to her, a sense of understanding the woman better. I recognize her as an icon. I have heard her name legitimately since I was a very small child. Almost to the point where the person stops feeling like a person. They start feeling like a symbol. When I learned that Rosa Parks was someone who sewed, I began thinking of her as an individual again. And I hope that I can express verbally how profound that difference is physically, viscerally inside my body. If Rosa Parks was a person, a woman who worked at her sewing machine day after day, who knew these women intimately when the law didn't permit them to have intimate friendships, then I'm also a person who sits at her sewing machine day after day, who has gotten to know women intimately because of sewing, because I was teaching a class, because we were sewing together, because we were on a retreat, because we exchanged packages or patterns. Rosa Parks was an individual, a person with hopes and dreams and works and aches, just like I am. And that means not only can I also make a difference, but I have no excuse not to work hard to do so. Thank you to Rosa Parks, a great woman of sewing. The Whip Stitch Podcast is recorded in Atlanta, Georgia, and available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Download and subscribe for future episodes. This episode of the Whip Stitch Podcast is brought to you by the League of Dressmakers. The League of Dressmakers, a subscription club for the adventurous seamstress. Join our community for access to over 250 step-by-step sewing videos, live events, member support, and the encouragement to take risks with your sewing so you can sew fearlessly. Find us online at leagueofdressmakers.com. That's L-E-A-G-U-E of dressmakers.com. For show notes and transcripts, visit whipstitch.com. Have fun sewing!